We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. It is official. We have made the transition to Blue Wire. So we had a couple of weeks of testing out the new format. Now we are here on our new platform. Thanks to everyone at Blue Wire for giving us the opportunity. Thank you guys for sticking with us throughout this transition. By now, you guys know we're bringing you three shows every week. One boxing, one MMA, and one pro wrestling. We'll still throw in all the little extra stuff at the beginning of the shows, of course. But it is nice to have this split. You guys have had a good response to it. So... This is it. It's official. Old man, Andreas, what's good? We are here. We are on Blue Wire. Yo, my mic sounds nice. We got new equipment. So I know anybody that's been listening to us for a while, I don't know if, if you gave a shit about the sound quality, but the sound quality's better now. Uh, we have, like, real microphones. Like, we've been on the run using, like, headphone microphones and whatever else, but we're here. So, yes, the three-episode format, I guess we can officially really promote this and what we're doing. So, uh... Yeah, man. And if there's any new listeners, I mean, you know, if you were listening to Blue Wire Network, you probably came across this. So who are these guys? We're like two black guys that talk about combat sports. He's Kel Dansby. I'm Old Man Andreas. And this show is all about boxing. So stick with us. And uh, you probably, if you're new to the show, you're going to be like, what are these guys talking about? Because the first 10 to 15 minutes is always some stuff that has nothing to do with boxing. Nothing at all. And it's, you know personally i find it to be very entertaining i think a lot of our fans do as well for all the new listeners hey get along uh with us for this ride it's going to be fun and we're kicking today's show off talking about hip-hop something we often do on the corner and something specific that i had to ask you about 
is Roddy Rich. I don't even know who this kid is, right? So that's me being an old man right now. But he came out, he did an interview, and he says that Biggie and Tupac aren't his influences in hip-hop. Like, those aren't his goats. And he lists Future and Young Thug as the people he patterned his rhyme style off of. And he gave pretty good reasoning. He was like, he was born three years after Biggie and Pac were killed. So, those weren't his influences. That's not the guys he listened to. He said when he was going through bad times, when he was growing up, he listened to Young Thug and Future. I'm not sure how that's beneficial during hard times, but listen, we're in a different generation. Do you think a lot of new rappers feel this way, and do you think they have a good case? I know they feel this way, absolutely. It's, it's, it's what you grew up off of. Like, a lot of us, um, depending on your age group, you're influenced by what you grew up around. So that that's a fair assessment for a lot of cats to say, you know what, I didn't listen to Biggie and Tupac growing up because it was out of my age bracket, but I listened to Lupe Fiasco or Kanye West or... Jay-Z, who's been here for every generation. Um, that's fair. I'm fine with that. I understand that. However, my argument is always, like, know your history. I don't see what's wrong with, like, listening to the older cats. Because, like, when I grew up, like, Biggie and Pac were, you know, what I was around growing up. But I was young when, uh, you know, when Rakim and Big Daddy came to Biz Markie. But it's not like I didn't listen to them. I went back and listened to that shit. So it's like, why, why mm-hmm. won't y'all do y'all homework? I don't understand why y'all so resistant to the history of hip-hop. Um, every other culture, they're not as resistant. And any other music culture is not as resistant as hip-hop is to the old heads. Like, you talk about guitarists and, and rock, and people always refer to Hendrix or they refer to Clapton or they refer to, you know, even Kurt Cobain, who has been dead for years, is somebody that's still an influence to a lot of young rockers today so it's like why can't we do this in hip-hop i don't understand that's the part i don't understand is the 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 willful ignorance of not wanting to know your history in hip-hop that's crazy to me yeah it's like it's cool to not like the older guys because you you said it like i wasn't i was born in 88 but that doesn't mean i don't know about you know bdp and just epmd and all these guys you look on the west coast and you had N.W.A. and Ice-T. I knew about all of this music growing up. This was something that was like, no, no, no. You're not just going to listen to whatever's dope today. And we had dope music. By the time I was like 11, 12, all the way through my teenage years. There was still good music being put out. But everyone around me made sure like, nah, nah. You got to listen to this. If you if you like this, you got to know where it came from. And I listened through the boom bap. I listened through the early... What breakdancing style music. I, I listened through all of that to know how music evolved. And I think that's a big problem where artists are now. When we complain, or not we, you, you kind of softened your stance on this in your old age. But a lot of people complain about the quality of music today outside of the Kendricks, outside of the J. Coles. And a lot of the mumble rap guys are, I don't even know, they're not even mumble rap anymore. The Young Thug clones, I would just call them. And it's like they only listened to Lil Wayne growing up. Drugged out Lil Wayne, not even early Lil Wayne. And that's everyone's style. And you can just tell, like, they're not diverse. And you can tell the people who did listen to other stuff. Because they're just leaps and bounds better than everyone else. That's, I mean, that's kind of hitting the nail on the head. It's like, yo, you have the opportunity to listen to 
all this music to to grab from to be influenced by like when you look at the great singers is there a great singer today who was like, man, I ain't listening to Michael Jackson. That's out of my age bracket. You know how fucking stupid that sounds? That sounds ridiculous, right? It's like, you know, like Luther, uh, Whitney Houston. Like, everybody knows who Whitney Houston is. There is no singer that's going to be like, man, I ain't listening to Whitney Houston. That's out of my age bracket. No, Whitney could sing. That was the point. Michael could sing. That was the point. Stevie Wonder could sing. Marvin Gaye could sing. And the list goes on and on. So it's like, you shouldn't be so resistant and wear a, a badge of ignorance as like pride it's not the same thing to say that you didn't grow up on it that's cool i'm fine with that i'm fine with cat saying i didn't grow up around that so excuse me if i didn't know the entire tupac catalog that's fair but to say and i'm not gonna listen to it that's a problem and that's where the problem lies no i I agree and we talked about this i guess in a different sense as well and when we talk about the younger generations and just people even my age not knowing the history of things and not knowing the history of civil rights and not caring to go back and educate themselves that's something we've talked about a lot and this is the biggest thing like in music it's like okay we can kind of give you the past but a lot of young kids are doing this everywhere so you see people like we'll talk about in mma on our mma episode where a guy like Mike Perry's just using the N-word just because. Oh, my God. But people don't educate themselves to go back and know the history behind things. So now a lot of that shit is cute. That shit ain't sweet. No, <laughs> yeah, it's still not cute. <laughs> but, you know, like a lot of people are just like, oh, so what? What's the big deal? I mean, listen, man. It, it, again, it's like Roddy Rich. I've listened to Roddy's music. I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I will say I've listened to his music. But it's like, I just feel like in order to excel in this, well, maybe not, man. Maybe the reality is you don't have to know everything to excel in this culture. I just feel like for me, I need to know everything about what I'm doing in order to do it properly. A lot of kids be like, yo, I just want to do music like Future. And they've actually been able to get by. This cast have been able to get by doing that. So I guess it's not what's good for the goose is good for the gander because that's not necessarily true because... The industry is kind of stupid, and people who listen to music are kind of stupid, and I think a vast majority of people are stupid, and I'm, maybe if you listen to us, I'm not necessarily calling you stupid because you're listening to us, but I think some people, like 9 out of 10 people are dumb, so the, the reason why the most, the, the most, the worst music gets the biggest shine is because people don't give a shit, and I think I've referenced this before when we talk about like the civil rights movement. I've said this before, like talk to your parents and ask them what they were doing during the civil rights movement. A lot of them are going to be like, nothing. Because it wasn't as big as we made it seem to be. As, as we look at it today, we look at like the civil rights movement as like this huge movement of people. It really wasn't. We look at war, like your boy Donald Trump is going to be you know, doing this war in Iran. But we look at war and we think, oh man, there's all these people fighting. It's really not. It's like these small sectors of people going to war in this like small concentrated area. We, we tend to romanticize a lot of things. But at the same time, it's like, yo... Just know better because then you can educate, then you can understand what's going on. You can understand why so many people have patterned their rhyme styles and their careers off of Biggie. You can understand why Diddy is still relevant, you know, in 2020. May not be as relevant musically, but the, what the impact he's had on the culture is significant. And if, you, if you're a young artist and you come across him, you should know what he's done and what he's contributed to the culture. So it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I've never, I've never been the type to be like, yo, I'm... Man, I'm too young, man. So I'm not gonna listen to it. That shit, that shit just sounds dumb, man. It's like it's, it's it, I mean, look, we're a boxing podcast. If you go 
Floyd Mayweather is the greatest of all time because, you know, Muhammad Ali fought. I wasn't even born yet, so I, I ain't even checking for Ali fight. You know how stupid you sound? <laughs> complete idiot, man. Kick you the hell out of here. End of conversation. Straight up. No, yeah, that's that's what I feel like a lot of people are doing. And the narrative is, oh, so that's okay. It's like, no. And a lot of people are painting it as, and this is the biggest thing, which I've, me and you've had our words about Jordan versus LeBron before in the past. But it's so hard to compare generations. And a lot of people just say like, oh, well, this generation's better than that one. And it's like, how do you compare? Like we talk about in pro wrestling, we talk about it in boxing. It's like, well, Deontay Wilder would knock out Tyson and Ali. Like how you figure? Have you watched enough Ali? Do they have the 10 DVD sets like you have? I have them all. Every single fight. <laughs> so I, I wonder when people say these things. Mayweather is the greatest fighter. I posted something on uh, my ESP, on the ESPN Ringside account like a week ago of Pernell Whitaker. It was his birthday, his first after he passed. And I put best defensive fighter ever. You wouldn't believe how many comments said, but Mayweather. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's fair if you watched mad Pernell Whitaker fights. Exactly. Have you seen Pernell Whitaker? Can you make an educated decision on this? No. And a lot of people are saying like, the oh, Future's one of the goats. I think AJ, shout out to AJ in our uh, group chat and friend of the podcast. He said he was walking around Vegas. Someone was like, oh, yeah, Future's going to be at Dre's. He's a living legend. Yo, can we talk? Like, what can we, the fuck? Real quick, can we, can we talk about words in 2020 that need to die? Legend is one of <laughs> is them. Legend? Wonderful. Legend is one of them because, yo, I'm so tired. Like, there's, there's two things. Goats with an S is impossible. And keep, people keep using this damn word. Yo, this is this, one of the goats. No, greatest of all time is singular. It's not goats. It's goat. Because if greatest you put it all S, times, that sounds ridiculous, right? Legend. Like, when people walk around, like, yo, he's a legend. Do you know what constitutes a legend? Not just somebody that you like. Classic. That's another word we got to dead in 2020 because <laughs> there's no nuance behind these goddamn words. Yo, I, this fight was a classic. This this music is a classic. When did you see it? Three hours ago. No, it's, that doesn't make it a classic. Y'all need to relax, man. So, I'm sorry. I had to go off on that rant because you use that word living legend. And that, that word drives me nuts because I see so many kids using it. Or they call their friends like, what's up, legend? What did you do to become a legend? <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. But I feel like this is the theme of all our shows this week because we're going to talk about in our wrestling show at the end of the week. It, when is it too early to call someone a legend, right? Like Okada in wrestling, which we won't go off on a tangent, but he's eight years in and he just turned 31 years old, but his body of work is insane. So when is it early enough to start talking legend talk? Can we talk legend talk with Kendrick Lamar? Like, is it there yet? It, see, and this is my take. My take is... We'll, we'll talk about Okada, but, you know, the perfect example is Roy Jones Jr. Um, when Roy Jones was on his toured run and people were talking about him as one of the GOATs, his career wasn't over yet. And now, in 2020, would you still put him on that, that level that you put him at in 1998? You wouldn't because of what happened afterwards. So it's like it's never too early to have a conversation because it's like what I call the Gilbert Arenas effect. Gilbert Arenas... There was like two seasons in the league where he was destroying everybody. 
but he's not a legend. He just had two amazing seasons. So it, it's hard to compartmentalize what somebody's done in a few years and then compare him to somebody who has an extensive body of work. However, you can have the conversation. You can have this conversation about Steph Curry's MVP year being one of the better MVP years of all time. But does that make him a legend like Jordan? No, his career's not done. Roy Jones, the way he finished, kind of taints the way he started. When we talk about hip-hop, when you talk about guys like, I always say, Ice Cube. Ice Cube had one of the greatest initial runs in hip-hop history. Period. Then he just he kind of overstayed his welcome. Not even He didn't even overstay his welcome. This is going to sound real morbid. He lived too long. <laughs> That's one of your craziest hot takes. You've had yeah, this hot take for five years. Yo, because when you live too long... Unless your name, and even Jay-Z, because people call Jay-Z old and whack now. When you live too long and you get your career, if you don't get your career cut short when it's at its peak, you don't have the opportunity to fall or to prove yourself beyond 30. Like if Kendrick Lamar were to die tomorrow, chances are he'd probably be the GOAT. If Lil Wayne died during his run right around the Carter 3, you know how many people oh, would call Oh, he'd be top five. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, easy. So th- that's that's... That's the effect that we're having. So it's like it, it's hard to call guys that are still practicing the best. Like with Jordan, Jordan has come and he's gone. It's over. And that body of work still stands the test of time. LeBron is still here working on his legacy. And a lot of people feel like unless he wins six titles and six MVPs, he can't beat Jordan. I'm one of those people. I still think LeBron will be number two or maybe number three because he's still got like Kareem. But... It's hard to say what a person is doing right now makes them the GOAT. And people got to relax off of that. So, like, when people talk about future and this run, it's like GOAT. All right, talk to me in 20 years, and then we'll see where future stands with everybody else. I don't even know if he's on pace. Man, no. But, you know, let him have it. Like, let the kids have (laughs) these conversations, man. He's not. (laughs) They can have these conversations. Like, let's be real. Future is not a rapper. He's a crooner. And in terms of crooner, is he really as good as Nate Dogg? Uh, well, like, you know what? That's that's. I'm not gonna go into the weeds in that one because Nate had like one album, and Futures had like a billion of them. And people who really <laughs> yeah. like Futures music, they like they will die talking about Dirty Sprite. So I'll give, <laughs> I will I give understand. Future I will give Future his credit because he is connected with an audience on a, on a real cerebral level. Like they love Future. Nate Dogg was like the hook master. There was really no songs by himself that we can really talk about and be like, yo, that Nate Dogg song by himself is amazing. It just didn't really happen. He was a legend on the hooks. It's not, he was a legend on the hooks. He I was. I don't know how much how much weight future verses hold, to be honest. Like if I'm judging future, I'm I'm judging songs, hooks, and beats. Yo, go look at the 22-year-old girl's Instagram captions. You can see how much influence like Young Thug and Future have because they be quoting them all the time. Oh, God. I'm so glad my daughter is like not there yet. But I feel like that's it's on the horizon. And I'm going to just have to look at her Instagram and be like, yo, stop all this nonsense. I'm, I'm already an old man. I'm old. I'm just crotchety. It, it's horrible. I'm going to be that dad. Where they, dad, you don't even understand us. This music is dope. Like, yo, if you play that in my car, that's going to be my favorite line. And I'm going to just throw on some mad old school, like Illmatic or Wu-Tang or something. I'm going to throw on Inspector Deck, not even like some real known Wu-Tang. Just yeah. to 
just to culture them. <laughs> the, the last thing before we start talking about boxing, the last thing I want to say is when we talk about hip-hop, and like I saw somebody tweet something. I was like, if I listen to Illmatic now, it'd be terrible. First of all, fuck you. Second of all, I want you to take, like, this is how, I, this is how I've always listened to my music. You take any artist and you write their lyrics down. Because I used to be notorious. When I was a kid, I wrote down everything. Or go to Genius because you're lazy as shit. Go to Genius and just look at the words that Nas was spitting. Look at the words that Rakim was spitting. Look at the words that Kane was spitting. And then compare them to some of your favorite rappers today. Forget the beat. Just look at the words. Look at the poetry. Nas's poetry is unparalleled on Illmatic. It's just simply unparalleled. You call that whack? That's like calling James Baldwin whack. And that's he wrote back in the day, kids. <laughs> yeah. He, he's not, you know, it's like like your favorite. Like It's just the same thing with movies. Like when we talk about movies, like movies have changed. Special effects have changed. But that doesn't take away from the fact that a film like The Godfather is a classic no matter what year you watch that shit in. Because Scorsese's eye was phenomenal. De Niro in 2 was phenomenal. Pacino was excellent. Marlon Brando was excellent. No matter what time frame you put them in, that's classic. I don't think some of these artists today, like, who's listening to D4L? We can talk about this, the cats from the two, early 2000s. Who's listening to D4L? Is Nelly a legend? No. No. Is he, he, he made some hits. No. He had spits. He had a run. He had a run. He is not a legend. No. So chill. No. Yeah. Oh, tell him. I like that. I like that ending rat right there. That that's where we need to stop it. Let's get into some boxing talk. But we're not diving into like the heavy hitting fight breakdowns or anything yet. Because the best thing that happened to boxing this week is Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence on Twitter. Yo. Hand claps for goddamn Terrence Crawford for coming out your cell and talking that shit. Listen, I have said this for a long time now. Terrence Crawford needs to call these guys out. And if he's as spicy as you say he is, because you spent some time with Terrence. I've never spent like real time with Terrence Crawford. Interviews, sure. But you spent some time with him with his boys. He was roasting me. Like, when I say I had to be on it, I had to be on it. Because every little thing, everything is a competition. Don't misspeak. You're going to get roasted. Every We were putting money, putting push-ups. Yo, it was crazy. His boy was looking out of the ESPN studios to like the Hudson River, right? Because it, it's right over it on Brooklyn or whatever. And he's looking. He's like, yo, I bet you there's sharks in there. Terrence was like, 50 push-ups. His boy's like, what? I'm like, yo, there's sharks in there. And he's like... Just for you talking up, 100 push-ups. Let's bet right now. I was like, fuck. So he made me, I Googled if there's sharks in the Hudson River. And by the way, there's been one known shark attack in the Hudson River. <laughs> <laughs> he lost. He had to do his push-ups right before first take. I ain't give a fuck. He had to bang him out right there. And then two seconds later, he's trying to bet on something else to double up. Like, he's that competitive. He's that into shit-talking. Everything was shit-talking. Him, Bomac, shit-talking. The man shit-talks in chess. Chess! It's a silent sport. He shit-talks while playing chess. Everything he does is that. And it's so crazy that he never let that out before now. That's who he is. He's stifling who he is. Because I'm speculating here, but he has this 
this thing that he always says he wants to do it the right way and he wants to show people he kind of wants to be like a role model he's anti charles barkley in that sense where i'm just like no don't just be you the best role model you can be is being yourself and telling every other boxer to just be themselves don't be mayweather don't fake stuff don't you know work yourself into a shoot like adrian broner did just be you and this is who terence crawford is he pops shit on a whim and his tweets what's even funnier than those were the comments to random ass people underneath them everyone could get it he wanted all the smoke and that's how he is really and we're finally getting to see that this is entertaining listen man like like i said the reason why people watch floyd may with a fight was because of what he did outside of the ring because you never left the Floyd Mayweather fight going, man, I felt really satisfied. It just didn't happen. Every once in a while, maybe the Cotto fight or the first Madonna fight or, you know, pretty boy Floyd, you were like, yeah, I'm satisfied. But later on in his career, you were like, you never left the Floyd Mayweather fight satisfied. But what he did outside of the ring is what got you intrigued. And for Terrence Crawford, he puts on exciting fights. So it's like, why wouldn't you Especially when you're on the wrong side of the street where all the welterweights are with PBC. Why wouldn't you trash talk all of them? Because if they're not willing to fight you, you need to make them seem like they're pussies. So it's like, why wouldn't you be like, yo, Errol Spence, you a punk. Like, Danny Garcia, you're a punk. Like, you, sh- you all should be wanting to fight me. I am a title holder. You should want my belt. That's what you should be doing. And even, listen, even if you're friends, it's, there's nothing wrong. Like, Cal, I'll talk shit to you. You're my friend. Yeah, and all the time. Like this is what we this is what we do, especially as black folks. This is what we do, and in boxing, it just I mean, we you know everything is pro wrestling, right? So if you if you're gonna sit here and talk the trash and cut the promos, that's gonna generate the interest. Because how many people were looking at Bud's Twitter that day and was like, "Woo, man, it's talking spicy." I like it. We all liked it. But when if if Terrence Crawford's talking about. You know, my next fight, I'll leave it up to my promoter. Don't nobody want to retweet that shit. Let's talk about who you're going to fight next. That's it. Talk about who you're going to fight next or talk real spicy about the guy you want to fight or call them out to the, call them to the carpet. Be like, look, man, quit hiding from me. It's a fight. Like, this is a fight. There's nothing really gentlemanly about a fight. It's two people punching each other in the face and one of them gets concussed. Is that, do what you got to do to make a fight happen. But do it like you said. Be you. If talking trash is you, you can do that. Like, on the other side, like, in the MMA, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Like, Henry Cejudo, trash talking's not your strong suit. So he's made this real cringeworthy character. That's fine. I, I'm a fan of the cringe. Yeah, like, he, he found a good niche. Just find what works because fighting alone is never going to make you a superstar. The greatest fighters in the world, all of them had an intangible that had less than nothing to do with what they did in the ring. Ali was civil rights. Tyson was an enigma. Like, Sugar Ray Leonard, I mean, he was, like, if anybody read his book, he's, he's nuts. But he was an Olympic gold medalist, and he was, like, the American boy and all this other stuff. Oscar De La Hoya, women loved him. Deontay Wilder's killing people and talking about legalized murder, but it's the stuff he says outside of the ring to get you intrigued. And then you watch it, but, oh, shit, I like that. It's so much that has to do with what happens outside. I mean, pro wrestling. The greatest pro wrestlers, like, anybody, not anybody, a lot of people could wrestle. But the best ones were the ones who can also get you engaged in that character, which is why The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin were so big. Ric Flair. He could have a garbage match, but you were going to watch it because of the promo that happened beforehand. So Terrence Crawford needs to do the same thing. 
No, I agree. And this is only going to be better for him. It's only going to be better for his opponents. This is what Errol Spence wants to see. He wants to see, yo, can you help me sell this fight? Are we? It's all going to come down to this. They're prize fighters. Can you help me make money? If you can, I'm with it. And this is what makes money. We'll see if this translates now into a fight. That's the next question. Because hmm. at the end of it, Terrence Crawford said, yo, I'm going to call you. Pick up your phone. He called him. Errol Spence answered. And they seem to believe that they worked out an agreement between the two of them that this fight is going to happen. I would then have to say personally, no inside info, that it would have to happen sooner rather than later because Errol Spence isn't long for the 147-pound division. Yeah, I mean, this is complicated because, I mean, the two guys want to fight, and, and that needs to be made clear. Like, Errol wants to fight Terrence, Terrence wants to fight Errol. And now the promoters and the networks, they got to all get involved because there's money involved. Money is the root of all evil, and it's the thing that breaks up fights and makes things go haywire. So, but the, if you get the first hurdle clear... Everything else should be relatively easy. So, I feel like we're getting closer. I feel like if you're Arrow and, you know, you're back in the gym, uh, which he's talked about on social media where people are like, well, maybe you won't fight in 2020. And a lot of people were curious. But he's back in the gym and he's working. But now, Danny Garcia is fighting Red Catch in two weeks. Um, Sean mm-hmm. Porter, we don't know what Sean's doing. Maybe he fights Terrence Crawford. Maybe he doesn't. I have no idea what Sean Porter is going to end up fighting. Manny Pacquiao clearly doesn't want to fight you. And so you're left out there trying to figure out who you're going to fight this summer if you're going to come back. And if it's a hot boy summer, it should start off with Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford in a massive fight. Also, what makes this important, if if they can make this fight, listen, man, like boxing is, is a very niche sport. But fights like that is what brings everybody together. And it can only help them for the rest of their careers because whoever wins the future's mighty bright. Terrence Crawford can fight a bunch of bums over at top rank. It's not going to make him a bigger star. Fighting Errol Spence and beating Errol Spence will make him a bigger star. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's simple. So hopefully we see it get made. That's what I'm hoping for is now there's precedent at least for top rank and uh, PBC to work together, right? Because we're seeing that now. We have Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, it makes money. It makes sense. They have no problem working together. To hassle on my end when I'm on a conference call with four different companies, nonetheless, it's working out. So, if these guys can make sure and make the promoters feel comfortable enough to say, we're going to sell pay-per-views, we're going to drum up interest, there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. This isn't the days before Mayweather Pacquiao where it was like, these guys never cross the street. They don't work with each other. That was the case when we started this podcast. And lo and behold, five years late, it's not that unheard of. Even on the smaller level fights, you have DAZN putting on these amazing tournaments and weight classes and top rank saying, yeah, we're letting our guy fight over there. A PBC guy might go and fight over there. You guys have great tournaments. That we see. Uh, in a way, just one one on zone. He's going to be on top rank his next couple fights. So we see these things happening. So it's not out of the realm that says, all right, cut the shit. Let's make this fight happen. There's enough interest now. And these guys are helping fuel that interest. Hopefully it gets done this year or early next year. 
Um, the other fight, I guess, materializing out of the blue on Twitter is everyone versus Tank Davis. Everyone. Tank, in his last fight, let's call a spade a spade, he wasn't overly impressive. We talked about this. Um, it took him a while to take out Gamboa, a veteran, 38, some people thought was washed up. He started beefing with Terrence Crawford, but it seemed like this week was any and everyone calling out Tank. One being Ryan Garcia, specifically saying, you know what, he's already a bigger star than Tank Davis. He should be the A-side. Tank should want to fight him. I'm not sure I'm with your boy. I understand. Instagram followers are real cool in 2020. That doesn't go far in the world of boxing and selling pay-per-views. Yeah, see, Ryan Garcia is in this spot where, you know, he is a star, right? He is like this boy band rock star type of kid. I mean, I've seen it in person, like what happens when people see Ryan Garcia. But he's not putting butts in seats like Tank Davis is. There's something special about Tank Davis when he fights. He doesn't need to go on social media. He doesn't need to, you know, pose with his shirt off and the Abercrombie and Fitch spread. None of that. He just comes to fight and people want to see it. He's like a little wrecking ball. Ryan Garcia is a star, but he hasn't even headlined his own show yet. He's headlining his own show on February 14th on the zone. Plug. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, what Tank Davis just did against Yuriokas Gamboa on December 28th, three days after Christmas, putting asses in seats and celebrities that's a powerful statement. And Ryan, you can't say that Tank needs to fight you. You still have some work to do to fight Tank. Tank is a champion. He's got some work to do. So, I I mean, everybody calling out Tank, I get it. After you see him fight Gamboa and you see the pull that Tank's ha- Tank has, somebody wants to pull the curtain back and stop Tank before somebody else gets the opportunity to. Because there's a lot of people that figure that Tank is not as good as advertised. After the Gamboa fight. They could all be very well wrong because we talked about this last week. One performance doesn't make your entire career. There are people who've had terrible performances, bounced back, and looked amazing. This was this could be that for Tank. But in Ryan's case, relax. Go fight um, Fonseca on the 14th. Get a big win. Keep working with Chepo and Reynoso and get your shit together. But that Tank smoke ain't for you yet. Not yet. Chill out. Not yet. And then you have a guy like Devin Haney throwing his name in the ring, said he wants to fight both of them. I mean, listen, y'all know how I feel about Devin Haney. I think Devin's a guy who is is going to actively pursue everybody. Like, I think he wants to fight everybody. And it makes sense. Like, he's young. He's really good. And why wait? That's his mantra. What what am I waiting for? What do I need to prove myself for? Because in Haney's case, he sparred with a lot of these guys already. And he's given a lot of guys hell. So why not? So I'm not mad at him. If he wants to call everybody cool, but Ryan, my problem with Ryan calling out Tank isn't the call out. It's saying I'm a bigger star because you haven't proven to put butts in seats yet. I need to see that. Yeah, and I, <laughs> these guys are now racing to be this, you know, superstar. Where it's like, yo, chill, like, kind of build up to it. You're 20, 21, 22. Tank's kind of the old man at 25 right? of that whole young wave. It's like he built up to that. He's now working towards being at his first pay-per-view, and this is wildly early for him. Haney will get there. Garcia will get there. Honestly, rushing the fight against Tank, someone's taking an L. I think Tank could probably get through it because of his fight style. 
I'm not sure if Ryan Garcia has the resume right now to be taking an L to another young up and coming star. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Everybody's got to lose. And it's up. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot different than like Teofimo taking an L to Lomachenko if he loses. Yeah. People be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. No, you take an L to some one of your peers. Nah, it's not looking great. So they they need to slow down. It's a long career. They're running a sprint and forgetting it's a marathon. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of fun that everybody is. I mean, I, again, I do enjoy everybody talking trash to each other. It's like you might as well. What else are you doing on social media? So take aim and fire. You know, you're probably not going to get that fight anyway, so it's like, why not? At least start drumming up interest for when the fight does come. Because, I mean, you look at a guy like Deontay Wilder, who was beating up, for lack of a better term, tomato cans for much of his career before he fought Stavern. And when he beat Stavern, then he was just, he started talking about there needs to be one champion. And then for a while, we were like, all right, whatever, Deontay, go beat up somebody that's worth a, worth a damn. They just kept beating people up. And now he's saying this can be one champion. Now we're like, yeah, 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 it could be one champion. Now we're kind of with him. <laughs> but you have to start generating that interest early. So in like guys like Tia Fimo, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, um, Virgil Ortiz, it is your time right now to take advantage of social media, take aim, and fire at your target. Even if you don't get the fight, somebody's going to say something and you're going to generate some interest. It's much better than posting pictures of you in training camp talking about this is my best training camp ever. Nobody gives a shit about that. No, not at all. <laughs> that that's the that's something we can leave in 2019. Let's let's add that to the list. I I don't need to to hear how great training camp was. Like I I don't care. Prove it in the ring. Um, the other thing we have to roll on to is upcoming fights, and we have fights this weekend that we can talk about here in a second. But one thing that was confirmed, surprise, surprise, Canelo's gonna fight on May 2nd, the weekend before Cinco de Mayo. Why is this news? Like, did, did just, we all again, know this? It's, yeah, it's just to drum up interest, though, because what you kind of have to do in, again, boxing and these sports, so you still have to appeal to the casual fan who may not watch Canelo every Mexican Inter- Independence Day in Cinco de Mayo and be like, oh, shit, he's fighting on Cinco de Mayo. Like, the rest of us like, duh. But, yeah, you have to at least tell people a fight is coming because when you tell people a fight is coming, what happens is what we're about to talk about, who's he fighting? And that creates news stories and editorials and podcasts and everything else. So it's the Canelo train is beginning to start churning. And we're in January. We're going to begin speculating because I figure the announcement should come somewhere around February of who he's going to fight next. So who do you think he's going to fight next? Unpopularly, I'm going with Callum Smith. I think it's I think it's the easiest path to a title I know you disagree I think it's the easiest path to a title for him and uh, I think he starts to settle more at 168 which I thought was big for him I thought 160 is where he naturally belongs Um, but I I think he sees that 168 is not that threatening I I think he tries to make a mark there Um, yeah I'm going to say Callum Smith Okay, so I think Callum Smith as well, and not because necessarily because it's the easiest path to a title. I think coming down from light heavyweight, he's not going to fight in 160. So all of you who think he's going to fight Gennady Golovkin in 160, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. Um, maybe at 168, if somebody can do something, I just don't know what you can do because Canelo's already got the money, so he's basically fighting for titles. 
So he's I, I don't think he's interested in fighting Gennady. But that's what the fans want. If enough fans say something, maybe that'll happen. But I think he wants to be a true four division champion. In order to do that, Rocky Fielding is not wasn't a true super middleweight champion. Callum Smith is. So yeah, I think that's gonna happen. The other option is Billy Joe Saunders. And the only problem with Billy Joe Saunders is like Demetrius Andre, they're not particularly fun to watch in the ring. And Canelo's the type of guy now who looks for guys who bring their own set of interests and eyeballs to, this, to his fight. Callum Smith brings an overseas crowd. Billy Joe Saunders does as well, but I don't think a lot of people are particularly interested in watching Billy Joe Saunders fight. And then you look at that last performance on the undercard of the Logan Paul KSI fight, and people are like, eh, they weren't terribly thrilled by it. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. go with Callum Smith. I think it's going to be Callum Smith. I'm going with Callum Billy Joe Saunders. I think he stops Billy Joe Saunders because he got hit a lot that last fight. But I, I couldn't pick out Billy Joe Saunders walking down the block it, shit at all. You put five people walking down the block, you say one guy's a boxer. I couldn't tell you, one, that Billy J- Joe Saunders is the boxer. Two, who the hell he is walking down the block. And I get paid to do this. So... <laughs> He, he's, like, I can't picture a casual fan. He's just not the guy where you say, yeah, you know what, this guy's a world champion. Like, he just doesn't look like, in the ring, his style isn't pleasing. I, I could see maybe a fight with him after, in September, if Canelo really doesn't want to um, go back down to 160 and, and fight Gennady. He might be done. He might truly be done with Golovkin. No money is going to bring him back to fight a 38-year-old Golovkin. And he might say, you know what? I'm moving on. And maybe he goes for a clean sweep of the belts at 168. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the clean sweep is, I don't say this, is much easier at 168 than it is at 160. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, here's the thing. Like I just kind of mentioned about Tank's fight. Saunders didn't look great in his last fight. But then you go back to the David Lemieux fight and Billy Joe Saunders looked like a fucking wizard in there. So it's, you know, a lot of times you're only as good as your last fight. Saunders is a dangerous fighter. He's not he's not a guy that I think will get steamrolled by Canelo. I think it'll be competitive. I don't necessarily know if it'll be fun. I think Calum Smith, as hard-hitting as he is, he presents himself a lot of openings for Canelo to take advantage of. And I think we can have a, a, a more exciting fight with those two. Gennady obviously is the guy that we bring the mo- the biggest and in- the most eyeballs, the most interest, probably the best fireworks because Golovkin after the Derevchenko fight looked a little bit slower, uh, started looking his age, he got hit more, so it, that would feel like a war. But I think Canelo's trying to balance that out, and he just just doesn't like Triple G. So yeah, I think it'll be Callum Smith. It'll be a Vegas and T-Mobile or MGM because I don't think anybody likes T-Mobile. Um, and that, that'll, that'll it's be just that. not conducive to fights. Let's it be does. honest, it just right? Sucks. Listen, for those of you who have not been to a Vegas fight at T-Mobile or have been to an MGM fight and not a T-Mobile fight, they're a wildly different experience for media, for one, because like, T-Mobile doesn't even have like a press area, so we got to go outside of this tent, and if it's windy, it's terrible, and the food sucks, and it's like the atmosphere isn't all that great. Whereas in the MGM, it's like right in the casino, and for somebody like myself who grew up as a little kid running around in Tyson fights, like not in the fight, but running around in the MGM and got that experience of seeing like girls in fishnets with nothing else under them or like Charles Barkley and Joe Torre talking shit to each other. You can see that in a casino at a crap table and still be walking distance to the fight. T-Mobile is in a stadium, well, an arena where you have to leave the arena 
and it's Vegas and it's like 100,000 degrees out here. Nobody wants to walk around outside. It's not popping like that. MGM is where it needs to be at. That was a completely sidebar to everything that we're talking about, but I had to make that point. No, that's great. I'm so glad more and more boxing matches are going back to the MGM. And I'm surprised the UFC isn't following along, but I'm sure their deal with T-Mobile Arena is probably very lucrative. Uh, but boxing-wise, oh, there's nothing better than the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And, man, we'll get to be there again in like a month. So that, that'll be really cool. But I hope that this Canelo fight is there as well. And I said it's an easier path to unifying at super middleweight. It's easier, but not easy. Because Caleb Plant holds one of the belts. Yeah. I mean, And dude, that shit is not easy. He's, no, he's the real deal. The, big, <laughs> so, the biggest monster at super middleweight is David Benavidez. That's, that's you, you're really high on David Benavidez. I am, because David Benavidez hits like a Mack truck. The man, and not like a Mack truck with like one punch knockout power, but he just kind of sledgehammers his opponents down. He's tall, he's long, he's active. He's all the things that can win a fight against a, a Canelo who can tend to take rounds off. Benavidez never slows down. He just keeps coming, and he's going to make it a war. Caleb Plant's going to be a little bit more of a chess match, which Canelo, I think, can win. I'm not saying he couldn't beat Benavidez, but I think Styles make fights, and if Benavidez keeps fighting the way that he's been fighting at 168, he's a problem. But you're right. At 68, it's the path to unifying is, is difficult as hell. 60 is... Yeah, I, I take that back. Yeah. Like six, He's uh, not far. He's not far at 60. He can go get his, his one title back and then fight a Charlo and unify the titles. No, because then... No, Golovkin took his title. So that's not easy. It's, it's not, Charlo's not easy. And then Andrade... I, yeah, sure. It, it's, it's... Like I mean, Demetrius... Like, if you fight Boo-Boo, like, Golovkin should fight Boo-Boo next and take that belt anyway. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. No? Like, they're both on the same plan. I know. You're not crossing any streets. You're on the same playground. Why not? I understand he's 38 years old, but sooner or later, let the man fight. It's it's not even that. It's, okay, so, real quick, because I'll be in Miami for Demetrius Andre's next fight uh, against uh, Luke Keeler. Who people are like, who the fuck is that? Exactly. Oh. <laughs> so the issue is with Andre. Re- hold on one second. You're really going for Jake Paul, right? Like, that's the reason you're out there. No, I'm not. We, we know it. I'm it's not. Okay. We, I mean, we got, see another I'm Paul really, fight. Like, we got Tevin Farber and JoJo Diaz. I'm really interested in that fight. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the headlining fight is Boo Boo Andre and Luke Keeler. And my thing about Andre is, and it has to happen now. You have to start knocking people out. You can talk all you want. But if nobody's watching you knock people out, because he's letting people off the hook left and right, and Andre is a spectacular talent. But nobody wants to fight him. Canelo says he's boring. Dude, if Canelo's telling you that you're boring, he's not going to fight you because you're boring, you need to start going to take some chances, dude, because there's nothing else for you to do. And in the case of Gennady Golovkin, I don't think there's, there's just really no interest in that fight. From a public standpoint. I mean, there's more interest than there is in the Miami fight. Well, again. Yes or no. Like, there is, you're, you're giving them non-interesting fights. You might as well put them together and see what happens. Yeah, eventually. It's just, I, I get what you're saying. I just, I don't, The man is 38 years old. I just don't think they're doing it anytime soon because, because Golovkin gains nothing by beating Andre. And that's a problem. He gains a title, but Andre should be a bigger star. He starts smoking Canelo out. 
the more of these belts you can get, the more you start smoking Canelo out. Yeah, I just don't know if you want to smoke Canelo out when you turn 43. Because that's, that's what it feels like <laughs> Triple that, G's going to beat you fight, fight him. That's why you fight Boo Boo now. <laughs> you you try to see if, by the grace of God, Charlo's available to but, cross the street. Let's be real. Let's let's be really real. And this is no insider information. This is me as a boxing journalist oh, yeah. talking. Now this guy works at the zone. Canelo's not coming back down to 60. I don't, yeah, I don't feel that either, right? Like, like you come if from we're, like, if yeah. we're being real. Nah, man. Like, he's he's what? Canelo's what? 29. Canelo just went all the way up to light heavyweight. Mayweight beat up Kovalev. He's not going to come directly down to, to middleweight. He's going to go to super middleweight, which makes the most sense for your body. Because if anybody remembers yeah. Roy Jones, when he did that, when he fought John Ruiz and came down to fight Tarver, it, he was completely drained in the first fight. So Canelo's going to take it light and come down. But the smart thing to do is you're still growing. I mean, he's grown, but I don't think he's going to grow much more. Is stay at super middleweight. Clean out that division. Because you can fight two fights there, Saunders and Callum Smith, and you got two of the ti- two more. T- you have two titles. Then you try then you try to smoke out PBC for Benavidez or Caleb Plant or whoever is the title holder at that time. That feels like it makes yeah, more which sense. Which, by then, they'll probably fight each other. Yeah, more than likely. But it feels like to, to, to go back to 60 to fight a guy that you really don't want to fight, I just don't think it's going to happen. He doesn't want to fight Triple G. He doesn't care about it. Then you got to get up off of that belt. He will. He'll vacate. And Triple G will just take all the belts. <laughs> like, again. Either that or Triple G needs to move up to 68, which he's been adamant that he doesn't want to do. And the moment he does it, you know who's going to call him out? Andre Ward. The moment he, hmm. he doesn't go up to 68. Are you, are you one of those guys? What? Are you one of those guys thinking Andre Ward's coming back? No, absolutely not. I, oh. think, I think Andre Ward is happy in retirement. And when you see him in person, he looks like a guy that's like 210 pounds. Like, oh, I see him all the time. He, <laughs> Coincidentally, he's at all the fights I'm at, yeah, of course, because he's on the broadcast. No, he's, uh, he's bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, he's a big guy. I don't think he has any interest cutting weight. He got paid well by Rock Nation. I don't think he's got any interest to come back to the sport. I don't think there's a fight that's... There's, I mean, even a Canelo fight is not... Really, Canelo fight would be the fight. It would be, but... How much you paying Andre Ward? Because if Canelo's getting thirty-two million, and you're Andre Ward, you're like, I'm not fighting for no ten million dollars to come out of retirement. Nah, Dre got to get twenty, twenty-five. You find that money though. You got to pay him a lot of money. But again, in, in, on the that, other side, that's of that, the money they will find. On the other side of that, if Andre Ward's, do you think Andre Ward's gonna fight Canelo cold? He's got to take a tune-up fight. I know, I know. People talk I about for the right money. He fights him cold. Look, I know people will talk about Sugar Ray Leonard coming back to fight Marvin Hagler, and Ray Leonard took three years off. We are reaching the three-year mark for Andre Ward, and there's no signs of him coming back. I don't think Andre Ward's going to come back in five years after retirement. I just don't see it. No, but he's still relatively young, right? Ward's in his Ward, 30s, man. He has man. to he's be not, like, yeah, he has to be like 37. He ain't that old. Well, he's not 37. But I, I, again, I just don't see the, him being genuinely in. I think he, you, you see him more than I do. I think he is happy where he's at. And nobody really... And the biggest thing is nobody really wants to do training camp again. That's like the big... The fight itself is... Andre Ward part. is 35. He can come back. He's 35 years old. But I'm saying, like, you're 35 years old. You haven't been in a training camp in three years. You really want to put and yourself through a training camp? Again, I see him all the time. It looks like he can fight tomorrow. That, he that, is in, he's big, looking but like he's dog. in incredible shape. Looking <laughs> like that and being in boxing shape are two completely different things. Very true. He can look fantastic. He can go and, and run a, a couple miles here and there, but being in boxing shape for a 12-round fight against 
arguably the number one pound for pound fighter right now. Yeah, I think I don't know if he's genuinely interested in that. And you have to pay that man a lot of money. I don't see it. I don't see him coming back. But anyway, point is, if Golovkin moves up to 68, Ward will be the first person to be like, bitch, you ain't want to fight me at 68. Now you're going to fight Canelo? He'll call him. I'm sure he has to call him out immediately. I would. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, Ward also likes talking shit. But yeah, but I mean, I, I think a Canelo fight, again, if he does call someone out, there's going to be this groundswell of people who want him to come out of retirement that the money will be there. If he does call him out. So it he has to be weary. Because as soon as he says some shit like that, you kind of got to put your fist where your mouth is. We'll see. I just don't see him coming out. I, I'm i in the middle. I could see him fighting Canelo for the right price. Cold for the right price. But I'm not saying that'd be his best performance or a win. But I could see it happening. Uh, before we get out of here, Clarissa Shields is fighting this weekend. Coming back after... I, the only thing I can explain is shenanigans before her last fight, which ended up with someone from her camp sneaking the dude from uh, her opponent's camp and putting him, I think, into a medically induced coma. It was some wild shit. So that fight had to be rescheduled. They are going at it this Friday. Clarissa Shields, I'm picking to win. I'm assuming you're doing the same. Of course. The question now becomes, and this she said this at the presser yesterday, is that she will have... Her first MMA fight before the end of this year. Yeah. Do female boxers have to go to MMA now? Like, why? Is, there's such a huge disparity between what male boxers get paid and male MMA guys get paid. Male MMA guys wish they made boxer money. For women not to be at least equal with females in MMA seems mind-boggling. I mean... Yeah, there, there's a couple things. It's like one of them is we still, well, I'm not going to say we, but boxing still treats women like they just came out of the kitchen rather than fighters. And I say that because they still do this two-minute round, two minute rounds bullshit. And, you know, I, I, they keep trying to say, oh, well, it's concussion bullshit. Like if women can fight in MMA for five five-minute rounds, women in boxing can fight for 12 three-minute rounds. And if they want to do it, let them do it. Right. Like trying to like trying to figure out ways that women shouldn't be fighting in three minute rounds because they're women. It just feels like an archaic model. And in order for women to gain more interest and this is the reason why I say this, in order for there to be more interest in women's boxing, you need three minute rounds. So you have an extra minute to knock somebody out. If you've ever watched Clarissa Shields fight, you notice a lot of times that she will hurt somebody with like 20 seconds left in a two minute round. There is no time to to finish her off. And then you have a break in between that round that's half as long as the next round you're about to be in. So you fight for two minutes and you have a one-minute break. It's not enough time to knock somebody out. You want to you make these women bigger stars and gain more interest? We need knockouts. We need brawls. We need battles. We need these girls going toe-to-toe. Treat them like the men. They want to be treated like the men. Katie Taylor's told me that same thing. Why can't we have three-minute rounds? Amanda Serrano, same thing. I want three-minute rounds. They all want three-minute rounds. Cut the shit. Let them fight. That's how you make stars. Otherwise, they'll go to MMA. And for Clarissa Shields especially, because, yeah, she's about to break a record, becoming the fastest three-belt title holder in boxing history, beating Lomachenko if she wins against Habizin this weekend. Once she does that, in her mind, she's like, well, what's next? 
she's a little greedy. She wants to go fight some MMA. She's training with John Jones, is what she told us the day before yesterday. She's gonna yeah, train with John Jones. She's twenty four years old. Plenty yeah. time. Look, she just she just wants to fight. The girl enjoys what what she does, and she's willing to broaden what she does. Look at Holly Holm. Went from boxing where nobody really gave a shit about her to knocking out Ronda Rousey and became the biggest star for like four months before she lost again. She busted Douglas, thick guys. That's what happened. <laughs> but at least she had an opportunity to bust a Douglas. Like, if you can't... I'd rather bust a Douglas than to never bust a Douglas. I'd rather be have the opportunity to have a video game and all that. Holly Holm was never going to get that opportunity in boxing. So in Clarissa Shields' case, let's just say you fight Amanda Nunez in MMA... And something crazy happens and you knock her out. She's a star. A superstar. No, I, I agree. <laughs> That'd be something really crazy. But it's possible. Anything is possible with tiny gloves. Yeah, I just... And someone who hits as hard as her. I just think Amanda... In that fight, Amanda will do her just like she did to random me. Like, wrap her up, choke her out, and make it quick. And be like, alright, get out of here. I think that's what Amanda would do to Clarissa. But you never know. Shit happens. Yeah, man, it's just so crazy to think that another one, boxing lets another one get away. Like, how are you ever going to get a face of women's boxing if they all want to bounce for MMA for the money? Sooner or later, you got to pay someone. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Amanda Serrano, she fought MMA, she fought in combat, and she's actually really good. Heather Hardy was a boxing girl and fought MMA. Ava Knight, who's fighting on the undercard of Cyborg versus Bud um, in two weeks, boxing the MMA. Because they have more opportunities to fight. They get paid. Then they realize once they get in there, like, this shit is hard. But there's more opportunity. It's like, now you have double the income. So why not? Yep. Yeah. Why not? But when you're at the top of the sport, like Carissa, I'm surprised and shocked that they can't, you know, just put her as the co-main to a huge star and justify paying her a good amount of money. She just doesn't have a foil. The best, the, the biggest issue is she doesn't have like a real, like threat, at all. But Chrissy Martin really didn't either, and they just rocket strapped her to the back of Tyson cards, and she was good money. Well, she's Lucia, still the biggest star in women's boxing. Lucia Riker, I mean Lucia Riker was Christy Martin's like kryptonite, and that fight just never happened. But the thing about Christy Martin was. Kind of like Ronda Rousey, not the same because Ronda was actually pretty skilled. Chrissy was just like bludgeoning people. It was the new car <laughs> scent of like this woman and the narrative. What was he? The, the the coal miner's daughter and shit. Like it was all this. Yeah. It was like this whole narrative behind Christy Martin that made her a star. And then she fought on the Tyson undercards, which it rocketed her to the moon. But now we're in, you know, we're in 2020 where. The reality is, is that your attention is taken away by so many different things. So in order for me to focus on boxing, I need to be really interested. And every great fighter needs a great opponent. And Clarissa Shields doesn't have that. She just doesn't have anybody that you look at and was like, that's going to be the one that beats Clarissa Shields. It's not even close. Well, she has it in MMA. Her targets are set on Amanda Nunez. Uh, Kayla Harrison's waiting in the wings for whoever wants the smoke uh, at I guess above 145. I mean, it'd have to be a 155-pound division like PFL has for Harrison. So I I don't know. Plenty of intriguing options going forward for Clarissa Shields, and we just have to watch. Um, That's our show for today. We want to thank you guys for listening along to our first show on Blue Wire. Make sure you guys tune in again tomorrow. We'll be bringing you our MMA show, and then the day after that, our pro wrestling episode for this week. 
We want to thank you guys. It's been a great transition. Thank you to Blue Wire. Can't wait for the next show. See you guys tomorrow. We're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.